As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. The only way to score is, of course, to play uh, with a handbrake off. And welcome to Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Ian Stone, here this week with James McNicholas and Adrian Clark. Good morning. Morning, Ian. Good morning. What a good weekend it was. (laughs) Wasn't it a good weekend? Uh, Both at the King Power, I believe, yes? Indeed, yeah. Very happy to be there. Yeah, looked like a tremendous fun afternoon. Um, We will, of course, uh, talk about the Starman and some of the other uh, uh, people who performed brilliantly well, but the Starman, Aaron Ramsdale, and because of the save, one of the best three or four saves I believe I've ever seen, and and I love, I've watched it maybe a hundred times. We thought we'd uh, start with the question, uh, the phenomenal saves that you've seen down the years as one stick in the mind. Adrian, we'll start with you. Well, I think this is right up there. I've got to say, um, I was I was doing the, the co-commentary and it was it was jaw-dropping moment. It really was. Um, the closest that I can recall in recent times would be Burnt Leno against Spurs at Wembley uh, in 2019. Oh, yeah. That was, that was really, really good. I mean, the, if you cast your mind back, I think Kane clips it in. Ericsson is about seven yards out. And he comes out to make a sort of block with his body. But that was the first save. But it's from the follow-up from Musa Sissoko, who absolutely blasts it through bodies. Caught and, it beautifully, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and, and Leno just sticks a hand up instinctively and sort of tips it onto the bar, I think. It was just, it was really, really special. It was definitely one of those moments where the crowd celebrate it like a goal. Yeah. And, and, and I think that is the sign of, of a really special save when fans celebrate it like a goal. And, and I was opposite the, the the Arsenal fans at the King Power. And, and that's what it was. It, limbs were going everywhere on the back yeah. of what Ramsdale did. And, and it was the same, I think, for Leno. Yeah, absolutely true. I did. I tweeted that. It does. That felt like a goal. I mean, I got the same rush of adrenaline watching that save uh, from uh, Aaron Ramsdale. But yes, the Burnt Leno save is an excellent save. James, what about you? Yeah, I, I was going to give a mention as well to that Leno save, a brilliant reaction on the second one especially. Um, I think given that, uh, that Adrian's already taken that one, I'll, I'll have to go for David Seaman against Sheffield United um, back in, what was it, 2003, um, FA Cup semi-final. 
just an astonishing save. I think, you know, certainly that was the best save I had ever seen at that time. It was just incredible the way that he reached back and clawed the ball out the goal, especially given his age at the time, the agility he still showed, the power, the reflexes. Um, I had a chat with Paul Pescasolido about it once. It was his header that was turned away yeah. and he said he was he's reminded of it very regularly and he's furious that people always talk to him about how his header goes in but they never mention Phil Jagielka blasting the rebound over the bar immediately <laughs> afterwards. From two uh, yards out. Yeah, which thank goodness for that. And it's so funny, isn't it? You know, these great saves, they'd probably be forgotten if the rebounds went That's in true. and it was so nearly the case at the weekend too. So credit to Thomas Partey who... Credit to Aaron Ramsdale who got up and got something on Johnny Evans's effort at goal, but then Thomas Partey, uh, you know, cleared it off the line and made sure we could keep that memory and that save intact. Yeah, and I want to talk about that a little bit because Partey, I like the calm that he watched the ball for a second because I'd have run in and sort of it would have hit me and it would have gone into the net just through panic. But he just went, hang on a minute, what's going on? And waited and then hooked it clear. So well done, Thomas, as well. Um, for me, it's it's more performances, to be honest with you. I, I remember Alex Manninger in a cup quarterfinal, I think it was, against uh, West Ham, mm. making some wonderful saves, including, I think, a penalty as well. Um, and going back a lot further, I was used to stand behind the goal in the North Bank and I remember Pat Jennings being in goal for us and stopping four or five one-on-ones and you never thought. He just looked enormous, absolutely enormous and you you could see how big his hands were even from, I don't know, 30 feet back behind the goal and so I just want to, it was really that to be honest with you. It was more of a performance and a, and a, and a feeling of they're never going to get past him today and I, I often had that feeling uh, about Big, uh, Big Pat and um, certainly there was that feeling about Aaron Ramsdale. We'll get to that. I should say, by the way, we'll be joined by Art de Roche later on to talk about last season's FA Cup uh, in the ladies' game because uh, it ain't done yet and we got through it at the final. Uh, and a reminder that you can get an athletic subscription for a third off by heading to theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod where you can read all the excellent work of James Art and Amy. Plus, you can hear this podcast without ads too. Without me talking about manscaping, uh, which I think... <laughs> worth it. It's got to be worth it for that alone. I believe so. I can't listen to it. And I said the words. Uh, that's theathletic.com forward slash Arsenal pod. Shall we? Madison flips one in on what to say. Yes, Leicester nil, Arsenal two. Doesn't really describe the game. It was uh, It was a... Pretty good game, uh, I think, for the neutral. But Aaron Ramsdale save. I mean, I said just before, one of the best four or five saves I've ever seen. At this one angle, which was taken from behind Madison as he curls it over the wall, and the sheer distance, Adrian, that Aaron mm. Ramsdale travelled. Mm. Um because he sort of started off. By the way, there is a piece in The Athletic. Matt uh, Pizdrowski uh, did a, a, quite a long piece analysing Aaron's save, and it's well worth the read. You can see how he sets the uh, the wall up, where he stands, where his weight is, and all the rest of it. But he travelled a long way to get to that ball. He did, yeah. I, I was lucky enough uh, pre-match to to do an interview with David Seaman, actually. So it was quite quite prescient. And, um, and, and I was asking him about Aaron Ramsdale and what, what he likes most about him. And he said footwork. He said, obviously he's very athletic and he was a big fan of him all round, but he said the speed of his feet is on a different level to, to almost every other goalkeeper out there. And, and by the way, David's been at London Colney helping to train the keepers, not 
he said always Aaron, but but he's sort of there to get to give a bit of advice. I think once once or twice a week, so that's great in itself. Um, and I think it was his quick footwork to, to to sort of skip across the goal, and and then obviously the leap was just. I mean that he he has to have a photograph of that save on his wall within a few so. weeks, and I think that's going to have to stay there for for you know for for years and years. I mean I, I know I would if I was Aaron Ramsdale because. I don't think it gets any better than that. You know, the full length dive, the, the strength of the hand as well. Yeah. When he's sort of almost going backwards, he's certainly horizontal, and and it, and it was a really well struck free kick. I just thought he was sensational, and and it was just a wow moment being that being there to see it. It was spectacular. And, yeah. And and look, I don't think any of us are that surprised, are we? Because this is a guy that is riding the crest of a wave. He's in the form of his life, and. And really, I mean, you could give him man of the match for that save alone, but but there was so much more to his performance than that save. Three or four times, he comes off his line really quickly, bravely to make blocks. That was that was brilliant in itself, as was some of his distribution. You know, the pings down the centre of the field to Aubameyang and Lacazette. Um, he just spotted these avenues of space and had the confidence to to just drill it into them. I, yeah, just absolute top class from Aaron Ramsdale. It was it was a ten out of ten performance. Well, I think you sort of covered it there, James. Don't you think? <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty I mean, much. Uh, oh, can uh, I just uh, say one thing, by the way? The calm on his face when he made that save. There's a there's there's a lot of lovely shots going around, James. I think you tweeted more than one. Um, but there's one where you can see how calm he is. He's fully extended. It's I think just after the ball has hit his hand and 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 hit and gone up to the bar, and he looks. Um, Serene is not quite the word, but he genuinely looks in control of where he is. And he's about five foot off the ground and he is as stretched out as far as he he can be. Mm. Absolutely wonderful athleticism. It is and it's huge reward because goalkeepers work on this kind of stuff all the time. I mean, you know, David Seaman's talking about his quick feet. He'll have watched him doing countless agility drills, you know, hopping in and out of cones and all that kind of stuff that feels quite obtuse at times and you sort of as a goalkeeper there must be days where you're throwing yourself on the ground strikers are taking shooting drills against you and it it must be a a sort of draining experience you always wonder how am I going to get to apply this in games and then you get a moment like that where all that process all that practice crystallizes it must be incredibly satisfying for him And, and it's huge credit Adrian's absolutely right to say he's riding the crest of a wave I think Goalkeeping to me, perhaps more than any other position, it feels like the psychology of it is massive. And Ramsdale is in a really strong position at the moment. You can just sense it coming from him. And I think his defenders around him feel it too. And he is just growing in stature and long may it continue. I think almost as soon as he made that save in the first half, it kind of increased that aura. There was that sense of he's not going to be beaten today. And I actually think what he produced in the second half, some of the saves he made low down at the near post. Leicester actually played through us a couple of times, a couple of quick one-twos, got them into the space between the centre-halves and the full-back. And he saved Arsenal there. And when things came into the box, he dealt with them. Uh, And I think, yeah, it's a goalkeeper playing at the top of his game who is really, I think, relishing and flourishing 
in the spotlight at Arsenal. And such a contrast, really, I think, to a lot of the expectations when the signing was first mooted and, and when he first came in. Quite. Um, uh, there's one, there's a really lovely video uh, of an interview uh, that Aaron gave after the game when he was told about P- Peter Schmeichel tweeting, that's one of the greatest saves I've seen. And the significance of him tweeting that when his son is in the goal at the opposite end of the ground. Um, Adrian, that, I mean, obviously it does give Aaron confidence, huge confidence making a save like that. And I want to talk about his performance in the rest of the game as well. But in terms of being on the pitch, when you've got a goalkeeper playing like that, it it must give you a surge of we we really are... Someone's looking after us today, yeah. and uh, and it and in, you know we have a real chance of getting a result in this game. Yeah, it provides great confidence for particularly for for the defenders. They yeah they know that if you know that you can trust the guy behind you or he will get you out of jail, then then that that is that is a rare and wonderful wonderful feeling. I mean, Arsenal had it back in the day with David Seaman, so reliable that even if, if the team did defend poorly or they were having an off day, it was one of those situations where you thought, well, well David will, will probably bail us out. He's so hard to beat. And it is that that kind of vibe at the moment with Ramsdale. He's he struck up a great rapport with the supporters. I mean, they were just sort of loving, loving everything about it at the weekend. And at the end... When everyone went in, he he was the last one out, and he, he'd sort of he was really milking it. Actually, left left <laughs> most of his kit, left most of his kit there. He gave he the did, boots to did, someone, gave the shirt to someone he, else. He did, yeah. And it's but it's it's great to have a player that's so so popular that you, because that 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 just sort of provides positive energy, doesn't it, to to the whole place? And wow. and that I think is one of the real standouts of of him coming into the team. It, the fans have taken to him and he has relished being a favourite and, and relished pleasing the fans. And I think it's rubbing off and all of a sudden that they're, they're starting to to really get behind all, all the other individuals within the eleven as well. I think the the rapport between supporters and, and players is better now than than it has been for the last few years. That is for for sure. And and yeah, I, I would kind of credit Ramsdale for 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 being the catalyst behind that but yeah no it's it yeah if your keeper's on fire like he is right now you're going to be hard to beat and and as a nine match unbeaten run suggests that's what Arsenal are right now um only Edward Mendy has a higher save rate uh I was reading 89.7 to 85.7 that's that's exalted company to be keeping because he is a top class keeper uh James I think actually no Adrian you were the one who mentioned it but James I want to ask you about the um the range of passing from the back. I mean, one of the saves he made was actually from a bad pass that he made uh, when it ended up with uh, 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 Ian Nacho. And that was a tremendous save that we might have talked about for a while if it wasn't for the one that happened five or six minutes later. But his range of passing, Wrighty was talking about it on Match of the Day, the one that he drilled to Aubameyang and suddenly Arsenal halfway up the pitch from a goal kick. Um, I mean, this is the main reason he's keeping Bernd Leno out of the team, right? I think it's a big part of it. Um, you know, his, his kicking has a lot more variety. He's got a lot of different types of passes that he can produce. We saw, obviously, that kind of sidewinder kick fizzed into Aubameyang. 
you've got to remember as well, there was an incident where Johnny Evans probably should have been sent off and actually... Should have been sent off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about it. No doubt no, about that no, one, no, yeah. But all. that comes from a Ramsdale pass as well. Yeah. Yes. He plays a long ball over the top that puts Aubameyang in and that should either be a goal or a red card, really, in that situation. Aubameyang going clear, you wouldn't expect any other outcome. I thought his kicking... There were a couple... Uh, that sort of didn't find the mark against Leicester. You he was better it. against Villa, wasn't he? I think. Yeah, against I think Villa, his distribution it was, amazing. Was, was better against Villa. But I don't think Arteta will mind that. I honestly think that um, when you ask your goalkeeper to play in that way, you accept a degree of risk and you accept that some aren't going to come off. But when they do, there was one out Saka, I think, on the right-hand side that was really beautiful in this Leicester game. You know, you're suddenly in a good position to attack, and I'd be interested to hear what Adrian thinks. But I think with Ramsdale and goal, and especially with Lacazette back in the team, I noticed at Leicester, Aubameyang and Lacazette were really showing for passes in a way that they haven't always over the past twelve months or so. Yeah. Did you notice that as well, Adrian? Yeah, look, it's not just in this game. Yeah, I, I, there was a few games, a couple of games ago. I can't remember the specific match where one of the top pass combinations was Ramsdale to Aubameyang. Now, I mean that that would never have happened previously, no. where where the goalkeeper finds the striker so so regularly. This is not. Can I just point out? This is not Joe Hart to Andy Carroll for England, no. right? This is not that sort of passing. Do you know what I noticed at the weekend? Um, it, and it was really clever. And I think this is part of it. And and why I love having the two up front is is Lacazette. No one really knew who to mark Lacazette. The centre halves kind of didn't want to go with him, so so it ended up being Bubakari Samare, the midfielder, kind of following Laka. And what Laka was doing when Ramsdale had the ball was standing wide. He would just move out of the way. He would drag him towards a wide channel, as would the central midfielders. They'd kind of split, pretending to look for a pass, and they'd leave this corridor down the middle of the field. And and that is what you saw Ramsdale profiting from. I think it's a a plan move of sorts. I really do. Yeah. And uh, and and obviously having two strikers up there anyway uh, means that su- the success of a pass down the middle is, is more likely. You know, more likely that one of them will, will get hold of it. So yeah, long may that continue. Other teams will suss it out. Of course they will. They won't fall for it in the way that Leicester did. But but it's great to know that that is an option because it's a little bit like Van Dijk and Liverpool, right? Where Van Dijk is in the Liverpool team, he's got the ability to to with one pass, start an attack. And that's why the forwards of Liverpool are much better this year than they were last year because they're getting the ball earlier before defenders are set. And I think Ramsdale, in some ways, is our Van Dyke. It sounds ridiculous, but he's got that ability to pick out a forward early and with quality and it can make such a difference. Well, let's talk about the rest of the team's performance then uh, a little bit. Lacazette and Aubameyang together... Um, I mean, I said at the weekend that they seem to have finally cottoned on with the two of them, that if they work incredibly hard, which I think both of them did, I mean, Lacazette ran himself into the ground, James. Um, I mean, he was off after 55 minutes. He was completely knackered. Great. Leave it all on the pitch. But that is the way you leave from the front, right? Yeah. And I think they've both been very good in that regard, actually. The intensity with which they played, the pressing, the closing down. It was interesting, Ramsdale. Um, he mentioned in his it. post-match interview. Yeah, yeah, that's right. With Arsenal.com, he's he's singled out the way that the front players, uh, you know, defended from the front. I, I think, I think they love playing together. These guys, they really have a fantastic off-field relationship. There's a brilliant photograph of them coming back through the tunnel after the Leicester game, uh, both really giving it some and enjoying the win. 
And, you know, I think it's almost as if they've realised in order to both be in this team, we have to play at this level. We have to work this hard. We yeah. have to offset each other's uh, weaknesses. And they're doing that really, really well. So, yeah, I enjoyed the way the front two played. I thought the first 30 minutes Arsenal produced in this game was excellent, blistering. Nice. Leicester didn't really have an answer to it. And they came back into it towards the end of that half. As we mentioned, a couple of good Ramsdale saves and they made a big change at half time. brought on a couple of wide players and kind of changed the issue, changed the nature of the way they attacked and made it more difficult for Arsenal. But uh, that first half an hour, Arsenal were exceptional. And, and the crucial thing for me is that they capitalised on it. You know, you go exactly. away to a team of Leicester's quality, you, you're not going to dominate the entire game. I mean, you'd probably like to see Arsenal have more of a foothold in the second half than they did. But the crucial thing is when you're on top, you're clinical and you take your chances. And they did that. And set pieces have been a big part of that. They've improved the delivery and the execution of those in the last few games. And great to see Emil Smith-Rowe as well, getting another goal. I mean, you know, the way he popped up in the edge of the box. You know, Here is that space. You can't say anything but. I mean, it, it was a classic Robert Perez moment to arrive and side foot it into the far corner like that. So, and, and that was ultimately enough on the day for Arsenal. They were able to rely on an excellent goalkeeping performance, like we said, to, to keep that two-goal advantage. There's so many talking points here, Adrian. You, By the way, you said Pires the other week, and uh, and it, to be honest, it scared me a little bit because I thought <laughs> that's heaping a lot on the young kid's shoulders. But I was talking to a mate. I went round to a mate after my gigs on Saturday night to watch Match of the Day because I wanted to share it with an Arsenal fan, right? And um, we were talking about how quite a lot of our attacking play comes through two guys who are 20 and 21, you know, Emil Smith-Rowe and, uh, and Bukayo Saka. But they have played, Bukayo Saka's played 100 games for Arsenal. These are, I mean, they know the club. They've been there since they were eight, nine years old. These are essentially experienced pros. How many other teams in the division have got a couple of young players with so much experience, so much sort of responsibility within the starting eleven? It's, it's, it's glorious. It's what yeah. the fans want, it isn't is. it? We want one of our, we want to see our own coming through. So, so you know, a big sort of tip of the hat to Arsenal's academy, doing some brilliant work, and and these two guys are, are mentally ready for for the Premier League to to, to carry that responsibility and, and as we've seen they've got that they've got that quality. But I love what I love just as much about those two is is the application without the ball. They're more than willing to to dig in. And I love them as wide players. I really do. I love them as 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 those two wide players in this four four two set up because they'll tuck in and they, and they'll intercept. And we saw that on numerous occasions in the game, particularly from from Emil Smith Rowe. So so yeah look, yeah, I I just don't want this team to change at the moment. No. I'm very, very happy with the starting eleven and the attitude and the application and, and everything really to do with it. Yeah, they had a blip in the second half, but I'll tell you what, Leicester were almost unstoppable. They played well. Half. I don't think really we should good. we should discount how well Leicester played. Um one question then yeah. for you, yeah. Adrian, as mm. we're talking about that. We are um, 17th in terms of expected goals against. We do give up quite a lot of shots. Mm. Um, I mean, I, I, this is just a, a slight point, really. Mm. Uh, obviously, Aaron Ramsdale is not going to have a worldie every week, although his confidence is obviously super high at the moment. But is it something we need to work on? I guess it is, isn't we're it? Not really? per yeah, we're not perfect. What we need to do is control matches more. And we're... <laughs> 
because we're not a possession team, it's it means that other sides have have the ball a lot and that, that they may potentially create chances. We're we're sort of gambling a little bit because we are better on those transitions. We saw it with the second goal, didn't we? we it was from a Leicester cat, Leicester breakaway. We nick the ball back and strike. That is where we are best. So, so yeah, it's. I think we're going to be in the lower end for most of the season. That's not to say that we can't improve. We definitely can improve. Um, I've looked at the stats on this, and yeah, the, there's only two goalies um, that have been busier per 90 than Ramsdale. That's Ilian Melier of Leeds and Casper Michael of Leicester. They've made more saves per game than Ramsdale. Um, but if you look into it deeper, from shots inside the box... Ramsdale is way, way down the list. And actually only right. four keepers have made less saves per 90 than Ramsdale from inside the box. So what we are what we are doing is protecting the 18-yard box quite well, actually, in, in recent matches. Most of the efforts are from, from distance. So I'm not right. massively concerned. I, I like the defence. I like the back four. And, uh, but, but yeah, I just think it comes from the, the tactical approach is... We'll draw teams onto us before we go and hit them. And if you draw teams onto you, they're, they're going to have shots. It's as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. I'm calmer now, Adrian. Thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate that. One no of the problem. players, one of the players in that defence, and, and we could talk about any of them. And and uh, again, Nuno Tavares, I love watching him. There was one point when he was further forward than anyone. He went striding off. I thought, is that Tavares? But uh, Gabriel, playing in the centre of the defence, I mean, at one point, I think I turned to a mate and said, he is a monster, and, and I love watching him. And the fact that he scored as well, and we've now scored from four set pieces of, uh, in four games in a row from a set piece, um, he hasn't quite had the praise, has he, uh, James? I know you wrote a piece about all the new signings, and he maybe is the one that's gone under the radar more than most of them because he, you know, he came a bit earlier than the others. But that was a properly immense centre-half performance from him and a goal as well. Yeah, I think he's been excellent, I have to say. I think he's, he personally is unbeaten in about 14 games or something like that since he came, uh, in terms of when his, he's actually started. I, I think maybe there's been a bit less focus because he's not a new signing, because he arrived a year ago, but that probably that's quite crucial in what we're seeing from him now. He's had a year of adaptation. He was in and out of the team. He had David Luiz there as a kind of role model and crucially Portuguese speaker alongside him in the defence. Uh, his, his language is coming on, but I think he's got a way to go still in that respect. But he's been fantastic. And if you were designing a centre-half, you'd probably say, well, I'd like him to be kind of six foot two, six foot three. I'd like him to be powerfully built, broad shoulders. I'd like him to be quick over the ground. I'd like him to be comfortable on the ball. It would be a bonus if he was left-footed, left-sided. <laughs> and and Gabriel, he ticks all those boxes. So he has all the raw ingredients to have a massive career frankly um, and, and I think he looks like a very astute piece of business a really good signing and I think he's also looking like a bit of a leadership figure in that back four which is impressive for a man who's still what is he only 23 still so yeah I've been thoroughly impressed with him um, and think he's been integral in the turnaround since he came into the side there was one moment where Ian Acho received the ball inside our box and he harassed and harassed and harassed him. And in the end, Iheanacho ends up about 30 yards from goal. Like, it was really, really good. It's exactly what you want to see from a centre-half, sort of belligerent, hostile attitude without making the foul. And I think one one thing to consider with Gabriel is this is the first time he's played in front of fans in an Arsenal shirt. And, and a little bit like Ramsdale, I feel like he's the sort of player that's 
galvanized by the support. I noticed that he was really sort of animated at the end, going over to the supporters at the end. I think he threw, threw his shirt in the, in the crowd. He was doing mm, a little bit of a dance. I think certain players hate playing behind closed doors and, and, and thrive when there's an atmosphere. I just get the feeling he might be one of those. He's definitely stepped his, his levels up this season. I found that fascinating because we talked a lot last year, didn't we, in about you know playing without crowds and what impact that might have. And Ramsdale, um, I think he was on Talksport last night, and he was talking about how the the banter he had with the Leicester fans, which was a very entertaining <laughs> that, kind of yeah, yeah. subplot within the game. But he yeah. said it helps me. He said it keeps me engaged and it keeps me focused. And I thought that was so fascinating, especially for a player who struggled at the start of last season when he first went to Sheffield United in empty stadiums. I thought it was a really interesting insight. And I think it's not all players, but I think Adrian's right. Certain players just thrive off that extra bit of adrenaline. It just gives them something else. And Gabrielle, I would agree, is another one of those. Is anyone else? I mean, before we... We obviously could talk about this game for another couple of hours <laughs> because it was... It was a genuinely joyous experience. I was I was really flying after the game. I was I was so happy, and like I say, it's a slight worry for a fifty-eight-year-old person that this is what it takes. But there you go. Um, anyone else that we want to talk about? Because we could single out pretty much any of them. Tommy, uh, can I mention Tommy and and just a solid, solid right back performance from him again? Yeah. Yeah, he's, he was excellent, you know, good quick feet. I'll tell you what, he had his hands full in the second half, though, with Harvey Barnes. That, he, he was on fire. I can't believe they don't to... start him. I'm, I'm no, amazed they don't he... start him for Leicester because he was a real handful and he yeah. got past him a few times. He did, and it, but it was to do with overloads and, and, and whatnot. They were, basically, they just went for broke. They went 4-2-4, effectively, in the second half, Leicester, and, and, but... but, but the fullbacks were flying forward as well, so it was almost two two six. It was it was really hard to deal with, but yeah, Tommy Asu was great. Nuno Tavares continues to impress. I, I thought, you know, that that one dribble. Do you remember in the first half he dribbled sort of from yes. left back all the way inside the other half? He's just so quick with the, with the ball at his feet, and and of course without it. And and on the ball, I, I felt his decision making was was good as well. So yeah, I think everybody was was a seven and a half, eight out of ten in in the game. Um, but but yeah, we've we've discussed the main men on set pieces very quickly. I, I think that obviously a lot of credit has to go to the uh, Nicholas uh, Yova for for the work he's done. He simplified the corners, hasn't he? Basically, <laughs> swing into the near post. Mm. Um, well, good delivery. I mean, they said there were three things in these in these uh, set pieces: tall players. We've got quite a tall team. Good delivery and the diversity of the corners. Yeah, but not too. It's not too diverse. It's not overcomplicated. It's Almost all the short corners have, have almost gone, which is good in my opinion. And and yeah, if you get the delivery right and you make good runs and, and for the goal, watch the goal back. You we basically set up with a two v so we crowded the six yard box and we had a two v two on the on the penalty spot. And what happened was uh, White it was the two centre halves. White kind of acted as a blocker on Tielemans, and he kind he kind of occupied him and just opened up this little path yeah. for Gabriel to step into ahead of ahead of uh, his man who was I think Samare and it just that was all it needed and, and it just needed the cross to be put into the right spot so the little details like that plus the execution make make the world of of difference and you're right about being a tall team I think Lacazette must be the only one under 
five foot eleven, six foot from that starting eleven at the weekend, and you know that's that's a big team. He's almost been the catalyst for this, hasn't he, Lacazette? When he came on against Brighton and he sort of pepped them up, and then came on against Palace and scored, and and the work that he's been putting in, I'm genuinely chuffed. Considering that he's going to be out of contract at the end of the year as well, he could deliver a stunning year for us. Uh, really, if he keeps going. By the way, I should say, you'll know this anyway, we're just three points off Man City, which given the start of the season, when we had no points in the first three games, James, this is where we want to be, right? And this is where we need to stay, top six. Yeah, absolutely. Even though we could go out of the top six tonight if Everton um, get a win over Wolves, I believe. But, you know, we're in and around where we want to be. Yeah, the table looks a lot healthier now, certainly. Um, and I think, you know, Manchester City dropping a few points somewhat surprisingly has, has you know, shortened that gap, which is uh, pleasant to look at. But I think, yeah, top six for me is still the, 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 the likely positive outcome for Arsenal in this season. I mean, fourth has been mentioned as a possibility. And I think a lot of that depends on how the degree to which Manchester United stabilised. I mean, they won very convincingly against Tottenham. I think that result said as much about Tottenham as it did about Manchester United, certainly. But yeah, I think, listen, the table looks a lot healthier and this unbeaten run has been really positive. I mean, you know, we were all frustrated and concerned to uh, have drawn the home game against Crystal Palace, but that late equaliser kept that run going and how vital might that have been for the confidence of this team taking it forward into the games against Villa and Leicester. There are some tough games coming up on the horizon. I mean, it's Watford next and then Liverpool away, Anfield, that looks daunting. But then Brighton went there and showed they're not absolutely invincible. So maybe Arsenal can take some heart from, from their performance at Anfield. This is Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. We were a bit uh, with the handbrake at time. Yes, this is Handbrake Off. Ian Stone here with James McNicholas, Adrian Clark, joined by Art de Roche, and joined at a, a, a very a lovely time when we hear that the Tottenham <laughs> manager has been sacked, Art. So good morning. Ho- hopefully I'm a good luck charm. <laughs> I don't know. Actually, maybe I'm not because maybe that wasn't the news people wanted to hear, but 
No, Glad to no. be back. <laughs> yeah, nice, nice to speak to you. Oh, and um, yeah, we'll discuss Tottenham no more. We could have a little sort of group laugh at the end if you fancy. Uh, oh, you want to talk about the women's team? They beat Brighton three 0 in the FA Cup semi final. I was, I was uh, hearing reports on the radio as I was driving uh, last night. They're still playing uh, last season's FA Cup. They're in the final against Chelsea. This was an expected result, wasn't it? Really. Yeah, so as you said, this last season's FA Cup still going on this year. Uh, they only managed to get to the fifth round, so round of 16, before the last campaign ended. So they decided to push the quarterfinal, semifinal and final into this season. And then they'll have this season's FA Cup start after the calendar year, of course. But yeah, really, it was an expected result. 3-0, Arsenal have won. I think they've scored three or more goals in every competitive game they've played this season. Except and they've got a, for Barcelona <laughs> away. Except for Barcelona away. And yeah, they were in total control for that game uh, yesterday. It's getting to a point now where games are almost like, almost like practice games where it's literally attack versus defence for about 90 minutes. Sometimes teams will have a little rally, but um, it is getting to that point where it's more a matter of time before Arsenal score rather than thinking, are they actually going to score? So even when it was nil-nil at half time, there wasn't really any panic um, because of the amount of chances that were being created. So yeah, I think the coming up against Chelsea is going to be the next like real test for them. And I think Jonas Edevar and his team are going to be looking forward to that. Adrian, I want to ask you this question because um, I was reading the piece that Art wrote about that over the next over the course of the next five games, as well as being expected to win, Arsenal will be expected to have most of the ball, and that will make it harder to exercise those muscles needed in crunch games, such as controlling the game, even when possession is not a luxury. Is that a problem for a team when they have five games when they know they're going to have the ball most of the time, and then they come up against a team like Chelsea and they go, "Oh, hello, this is <laughs> we have to step up here, and we're not quite ready for." It. That is a really interesting point, actually. Yeah, I think that that is that is valid because they're not get, going to get the practice, are they, in terms of their shape without the ball? To you know, it'll only happen on sporadic occasions. So no, I think it. If you're looking for for something to be concerned about, <laughs> we probably shouldn't be. Then that might be that might be something. But it what it what it's about. What what Jonas uh, Edeval has to do is maintain standards and keep good habits. So even if they're, they're in control of most games, on those occasions where they don't have the ball, he's got to really be on top of the players and they've got to be charged up themselves to to make sure that the shape is good, that the pressing is spot on, that everything they do doesn't get sloppy. Because it can. We're, we're, it's hu- human nature. If something e- something's easy, you slack off a bit, don't you? Yeah. And that is, that is the big test for for teams like the Arsenal women's uh, group. So, yeah, hopefully Ada Val can, can nail that and, and keep the players on their toes. That's, that's probably the big challenge over the next five games. Because it reminds me, James, of what we talked about the other week when we were talking about Bukayo Saka coming through the uh, the different levels and, and what they do when they get to under-18s. They up the pressure and they up the intensity so that the players get a glimpse of what it's like and quite a lot of them get injuries at that time. But he didn't because he obviously is a phenomenal footballer and person generally. But that, I guess, is what Adrian's just talking about there. They have to keep that pressure on. Yeah, and I think it's interesting. It'll be interesting to see how they 
managed to do that so far so good I mean one of the things that people who know both coaches Joe Montemurro who had the women last season and Jonas Edeval this year is that they're slightly different characters um you know Joe maybe is a little bit more relaxed and Jonas someone who is a more intense personality and I do wonder if that will help transmit that to the players you know the importance of sustaining this form uh, no matter the quality of the opposition but I thought it was interesting that both Emma Hayes and Jonas sort of talked up the prospect of this Arsenal-Chelsea final you know and and what it could uh, the significance of it and the it's a bit of a glamour tie really and I think yeah, it's a big game and they both relish that. You know, that's sort of who they each wanted in the final. It's what football's about. And Arsenal are lucky. They've got some some big games coming up too. I mean, in the space of a week, they're going to have that final. They're also going to face that fantastic Barcelona side again at the Emirates Stadium. So I think tickets are on sale for both now. So get yourselves down to those games. They promise to be very, very interesting. I believe I was at when I was at the uh, Emirates the other day for the Leeds game, which, by the way, was a very enjoyable uh, uh, victory where some of the reserves played very well. for the, the, They were advertising tickets for the uh, Barcelona game, and I'm sure the Chelsea game will be on sale soon. Um, Art, um, Beth Mead got a hat-trick. She uh, got a hat-trick at uh, Wembley uh, the other day in the International. She scored a goal again. Uh, she's on fine form at the moment. Yeah, she also got two assists yesterday as well. Yeah. Um, so she's not doing too badly for herself. I think the way she started the season has been quite phenomenal, really, when you consider, I guess, the the motivation going into this year was coming off the back of not getting selected for the Olympics. I know um, I spoke to her last month for an interview and she actually name-checked uh, Hegarisa, uh saying that she wanted to prove her wrong going into this season. And I think that's been clear since the opening day against Chelsea when she scored twice. Once was one of them being a left-footed shot from outside the box, which I don't think many people would have expected. But even just yesterday, she was playing off the left. And in that interview with her, I asked whether she has like a favoured side or favoured wing to play on. And she said Tobin Heath actually asked her that um, when she joined. And she said that she doesn't have a preferred side. And that's something that's also been quite apparent because she had no problems going at her fullback, either just running straight out and going around the outside or coming back onto her right foot on the inside and getting a shot off. And I think the confidence she's playing with at the minute just shows, I guess, the space this Arsenal team are, are in at the minute. I don't think they feel under any bad pressure. Obviously, there will be internal pressure to, to perform, but yeah. I think that's really um, driving them to, to a place where that Joe Montemurro was able to take them to a very good level. Now they're pushing for even further. And I think Beth Mead's leading that that drive um, with her performances so far this season. And one more question, Art, about the uh, the women's team. Um, uh, Miedema and Heath were both rested. Um, and, and for a semi-final, is there... Is there a slight concern that there's maybe maybe too much of a gap between the top two or three teams and the rest? Because if you rest two of your best players for a semi-final, it sort of <laughs> says to you, yeah, there may be a bit of a structural uh, inequality in the women's game. Yeah, I, I do think that is a valid concern because... So actually, the main reason that, uh, say, Miedemar was rested because she came back from the Olympics early, not just her, but a few other players as well. The Netherlands were okay with resting her during the international break. And then 
she's still got this period of rest once she's come back with Arsenal. So that's something that Edeval is going to try to do with most of the players that went to the Olympics at some point during the season. Um, but it, it does show, especially as we spoke about before with Adrian in terms of the style of play as well, where teams will just sit back and sink into their own penalty box and just try and defend for the whole game against when they play against Chelsea and Arsenal. I know Brighton did take points off Chelsea and Manchester United last season, but in the, in the grand scheme of things, when you get those games where it just falls into that rhythm of attack versus defence, I don't think it's as beneficial as it could be. Yes, teams may be able to uh, steal draws and wins here and there but if you're actually looking to improve the game then you need to play the game that you you want to see on a more regular basis so on it, that art can, can i just butt in? sorry to butt in no it's cool. just one thing is just coming into my head here that i can't sort of shake off without <laughs> without saying it would it would a women's european super league be Ooh. something Ooh. that wow that, that, would, that, that we might see, but I'm just thinking because it is there was a huge disparity in standards yeah. in this in in the WSL. <sighs> Do you know what I mean? You know where I'm coming from here. Yeah. It, it would it would surely be a much better spectacle. I don't want to kill the domestic game, off, <laughs> but it's but it, it, it if it continues like this, that conversation might might crop up, mightn't it? Maybe in the future. Obviously, they've they've just kind of reformed the Champions League so I think they're quite happy with just the Champions League being for the I guess the elite group of football clubs at the minute I don't I don't I don't want to <laughs> uh, endanger myself by by going into <laughs> Super League chat too early but I I understand where you're coming from yeah I've been being a bit naughty there <laughs> oh, dear my god Adrian all right um well I tell you what we'll move on at this point um uh James I wanted to ask you about William Saliba you saw him play um uh, you've been keeping an eye on him. Uh, I've been reading a few pieces about him. He seems to be doing uh, very, very well. Um, what's your view about where he is at the moment? I think he's having a great season. He's getting yeah. some rave reviews in France. Uh, another clean sheet for Marseille last night. Sleeper didn't have his best game of the season. Um, was booked and maybe lucky to not get a second. But he has been playing some good football uh, in an interesting system in that team out there. Uh, Arsenal... You know, I think it's pretty positive from an Arsenal perspective. Um, Mikel Teta said in his press conference the other day that Edu and Ben Napper, the club's loan manager, been out to they went out, didn't they, watch, to watch him play? Yeah, absolutely. I stopped short of sort of making any bold predictions about what this means for his Arsenal future, simply because um, there've been a few twists and turns in the tale already, and also, <laughs> yeah. when, which is putting it lightly, and also, I just wonder. You know, if you look at Arsenal, they've got two centre-halves in Gabriel and Ben White who are playing really well, formed a really good partnership. Of course, they need more depth and quality in that position. But Saliba has been an absolute first name on the team sheet for Marseille all season long. And I just wonder if when it comes to the summer, whether that will be a priority for him to know he's going in somewhere as absolute first choice having experienced all this first team football and whether or not he'll want to come back and compete for a space at Arsenal I think if Arsenal will qualify for Europe this year there'll be plenty of football to go around for three centre-halves so, yeah. yeah. uh, and I think as well they give you options I mean you know Ben White is a guy who can play out on the right if required uh, I think there are different things that you could do with that trio but I yeah I, I honestly can't call it because you know I, I've 
thought Saliba was a top quality prospect for a long time, ever since I first saw him play for St Etienne. And, you know, he's a good asset to Arsenal. I just wonder if he has the stomach for it, you know, if he really wants to come back here, does he feel happy at the prospect of coming back to London to play for this manager? Does he feel confident that he'll displace the guys who are currently first choice? And it's really hard to know at this point in time. And it is, it is a squad game, Adrian. I mean, I mean, I think we have seen that and we saw in the, uh, in the Carabao cup, one of the things that I was pleased about with the fact that we drew again, we drew Sunderland in the quarterfinals, aside from it's undoubtedly the best draw we could have had was that it enabled, us to play those uh, those fringe players again, um, and and you've got to keep people happy, and it's maybe one of the reasons that Saliba, if we do get into Europe, he knows he'll get some games next year. That's right, yeah. Chambers, Holding, and Mary need to need to get some game time for when they're needed in the Premier League. And Cedric, it's, and, and yeah, even I mean Kalasinac, yeah. who knows if he'll stay, but there's a few yeah. of them, aren't there? Yeah, there are, and I do get I do get that, and and yeah, I think the Sunderland match is is the ideal one just to keep those guys ticking over. Look, I think you can never have t- too many decent centre halves. A bit like centre forwards, really. How, how many campaigns do you really go through where where your f- first choice two centre backs don't get injured? It's yeah. It's very unusual. So for me, I would be really excited to have Saliba, White and Gabriel as the, as the first choice. Don't forget, we've also got Tommy Asu who can slide across if needed. And Tierney. And Tierney, who can yes. both play centre-back. So I think we're, we're quite a sport, sport for choice. I, I personally would love to see him return because he's a player with a really high potential ceiling, uh, the same as White and Gabriel. Whereas... Not being disrespectful to, to, to Holding and Chambers and, and Pablo Mari, but I feel that, yeah, that they're more limited in terms of how far they can go in in terms of, of what they produce on, on the pitch. So, yeah, the, the, I hope he continues to shine and I hope he gets the chance at Arsenal. Let's have a song to finish. I'm assuming happy from everyone is uh, uh, nothing's going to be um, well. <laughs> I, well, my can I say my choice, by the way, uh, is obviously for Aaron Ramsdale. It's Ashford and Simpson, solid as a rock, because he was unbeatable the other day. Um, Art, let's go to you first. I hope we haven't shocked you this week. <laughs> no, no. I'm, With I'm the a feature more... that we do every week. <laughs> yeah, I'm a bit more prepared this time. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Enter Galactic by Kid Cudi because I feel like if, if you listen to the song, it's just so airy and positive. And that's how I felt watching the Leicester game. I didn't want to turn the TV off, even though I had no. to leave early. And yeah, I feel once that song comes on, you're just in a positive vibe. So I'll go with that. Cool. James, what about you? Well, uh, the, the chant that was ringing around the Arsenal fans uh, at the King Power Stadium was the, the, the do, 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 do Aaron Ramsdale chant that he's <laughs> yeah. inherited from Aaron Ramsey. <laughs> previously, Sol Zaguna, previously many other things. But that is based on uh, a song by Pig Bag, everyone's favourite uh, post-punk instrumentalists, <laughs> called Papa's Got a Brand New Pig Bag. Their only um, song, wasn't it? Really? As far as, of any note, of any note. <laughs> but uh, yes, uh, I'm going to go for that in honour of Aaron Ramster. Great. Uh, Adrian, what about you? Oh, good choices so far. Yeah, for me, the, the first thing that came into my head, again, it's Ramsdale inspired Fire by Kasabian. Uh, you know, he is on fire at the moment. And uh, it's almost as if that song is playing out in his, in his ears. Every time he takes to the field at the moment, I'm on fire. That, that, that's how he must feel. 
Well, wonderful. What a lovely way to spend the morning, uh, chaps. Uh, thanks to uh, Adrian Clark, Jason Nicholas, Art de Rosse and Abby, our producer. And uh, enjoy the week, Gooners. We might as well have fun while it all lasts. Uh, I'm uh, Sorry, that sounded like it might end at some point. Uh, I'm Ian Stone. Thanks for listening. This has been Handbrake Off, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by The Athletic. Thank you.